Luke chapter 22, let's look together. Uh, we're going to talk about a supper to remember. And I don't know about you, but there are some instances where there's some suppers I've remembered. But if you ask me what I had last night for dinner, I probably couldn't tell you. But there are some instances where I can remember certain suppers. I remember as a kid, we went to Thanksgiving, and every year my mom would make the chicken and the dressing. How many make mama made chicken and dressing? Okay, it's a dying breed. I can see that here. You folks are missing out on a blessing. Well, I was a snitch. I was a little bit of a sneaky guy, and so I'd go in there and I'd, snick, I'd just snag some of that chicken. After she'd boiled it and deboned it, I'd snag some of that chicken because I was hungry. You're always hungry on Thanksgiving. I just ate, but I'm still hungry. And so I'd go in there and I'd snack some of that chicken. So she'd stuck that bowl of chicken in the oven. And uh, it was in a plastic bowl. And she forgot that she had put it in there and preheated the oven for the dressing. And you can imagine what happened. The chicken and the bowl of the, of the chicken just melted around that chicken. The chicken stayed in a perfectly bowl shape. It was a beautiful sight. And so she was so mad at me. And of course it was my fault. Because if you hadn't have been snitching the chicken, you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have happened. And so we got that chicken, and we got that dressing, and she, she said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but she said, I don't have enough time to do another chicken, so we're just going to just mix it in there like it is. And so she put it in there, and she said, what, how does it taste? And I said, interesting. <laughs> I was always the, the, the kid on the other side of the countertop whenever Mom was cooking. She'd taste this. I'd be happy to, Mom. That's my favorite job. And so we, I'd say a little more sage, it needs a little more pepper, it needs a little bit more spice here or there, you know. It, it was just, it was, and, and so I was always there to help mom with her cooking. Mostly I was there to help mom with the tasting. And this particular Thanksgiving, I just remember all that chicken and the dressing, she got it all mixed up, she got it cooked, and we took it, this year we were going to a, a, a relative's home, and she took it, and she laid it out, and everything looked beautiful, and we sat down, my mom and my dad and my sisters were sitting around the table, and we started chewing into that dressing. We're snickering because we didn't tell anybody what had happened. And we're just eating that dressing. And, and people are going on about how good it is. And, we're, and, and my dad and I and my sisters, we're making comments like, it's the most interesting dressing we've ever had. You know, and all kinds of different comments. We will never forget that Thanksgiving because at Christmas that year, I, I jumped in the trash can when we got home and pulled out that piece of melted plastic that was left and gave it to her for a Christmas present. We'll never forget that, that meal. There's some things that we never forget. There's some things that are important for us, and, you know, those will stay with us. You, maybe you scroll Facebook and you see uh, maybe the jewelry store. Maybe you're there and you see some sort of a memento that will help you. I remember one year I bought for my wife uh, a ring that has all the kids' names on it and their birthstones, just as a, a memento of all that she's had to endure through our four children. Amen and amen. Listen, there are all kinds of things that we do. You know, as a family, one of the things that we do is when we travel to new places, we get a little bit of dirt and we put it in a little glass bottle and we label the bottle so we remember where we've been. We have dirt from all around the world, all across the country. Uh, we're just kind of dirty people, I guess. <laughs> Amen, Josiah. You know, there's certain things we don't want to forget, are there? aren't there? You know, we like good memories. Memories are precious to us, and they keep us connected to people, to places, to events. They have helped shape us and influence our lives, and memories are, are so uh, important for us. And we may, we may miss, wish we could forget some things, but even in some of life's unpleasantries, we can have, find lasting lessons that can be learned through that adversity. Just before Christ was taken to Calvary and crucified... 
there was a supper that he and his disciples shared. It was an intimate time of teaching, a time of prayer, a time where Jesus got on his knees and he washed the, the, the disciples' feet as a servant. It was a time of sweet fellowship. And rather than allowing all the masses to join them, it was just those in his inner circle. This is a time we call the Last Supper. It was a meal that Christ spent with the, Passover, with the disciples in observance of the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Passover. Jesus, who is the master teacher, used this opportunity to implant in them an important memory in his disciples that today we continue to carry on in this table right here, this do in remembrance of me. We don't forget. We don't want to forget what Jesus has done for us. And as Jesus raised the bread and the cup in Thanksgiving, he added new significance to this ancient ritual. And Luke chapter 22 records what Jesus told his disciples. He says, in remembrance of me. And so let's look at Luke chapter 22. We're going to read verses 7 through 20 as we can gather the context here of this particular passage. And we prepare our hearts to remember what God has done for us. So then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when you are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And you shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a, a large upper room furnished. There make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready uh, the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Let's stop and pray together here. Father, as we gather together as a church family, we can't help but pause and say thank you. My heart was so blessed by the testimonies today. Testimonies of how you've uh, saved people who have been estranged for all of their life. Lord, how that you still are in the saving business as we saw this morning. Lord, you're still on the throne in our life and providing for us a place where we can uh, experience and know the truth of God's word. And I thank you for this church family that's demonstrated great love to one another with a servant's spirit and a servant's heart. And so, God, as we come before the table and we prepare ourselves, our lives, may we remember anew the significance of this moment and this hour. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at three different areas of the Lord's Supper tonight because Jesus took an old symbol and filled it with brand new meaning. And as, as we look at this tonight, we're going to see the historical significance 
uh, in, at, in the very beginning. If you look at Exodus chapter 12, turn there with me in your Bibles. We're going to be there in just a moment. Exodus chapter 12, I'll give you a, a warning. It will not be on the screen. Uh, so you'll have to actually look in your Bible tonight. You say, I know, what, what is, what's this world coming to? But the Feast of Unleavened Bread is, is this historical background for the establishment of the Lord's Supper. Exodus 12 presents the final chapter in God's miraculous rescue of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And this was the plague of the judgment of the firstborn. And so for the angel of death to pass over a household, a family had to put blood from a sacrificed lamb on the doorframe of their house and eat the Passover meal as the Lord had prescribed. This lamb and the meal of unleavened bread became the abiding symbol of Israel's deliverance from bondage. And so I want to read these just first a few verses here out of Exodus chapter 12. And we'll start in verse number 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house. Take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. There was no excuse. They were all uh, had the same opportunity. It wasn't the rich only. God made it available for all men. Now, aren't you grateful for that? Verse 5, it says, And your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it uh, up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. And uh, eat, it, eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the appurtenance thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. And will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beasts. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. And so these first 14 verses here describe for us the beginning of this Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Passover. And, and so this is the observance that Jesus and His disciples were observing that night. And as Jesus' disciples watched Jesus and listened to His words this pas- during the Passover... They would have understood this historical significance of his actions. But what they did not fully understand until after the crucifixion and resurrection was the transformation of what had been a Jewish feast of remembrance into a new symbol for remembering Jesus' atoning sacrifice. Listen, this was a a great moment to remember uh, 
uh, for us tonight all the atonement that Christ paid for when he died on the cross. If you take a trip to Hawaii, amen, Brother Weigel, you probably know more about this boat than I could ever dream to. What is this boat? It says it on there. Missouri, that's right. You can take a tour and you can, you can visit this beautiful battleship here. It's anchored off Fort, uh, the Fort Island and Pearl Harbor. And as you wind through the decks and uh, through the tour, you will see this beautiful, gallant ship. And it was dubbed the Mighty Mo at one point, or Big Mo. And your tour, tour will most likely end at the place on the deck where General uh, Douglas MacArthur accepted the unconditional surrender of the Empire of Japan on September 2nd, 1945. This historic event ended the hostilities of World War II in the Pacific Theater. The signing of this treaty uh, happened before most of us in this room were born, but the events symbolized by that treaty shaped the world into which we were born and in which we now live. An event that happened more than 70 years ago still has significance for us. And when we look at this ship, we're reminded that we enjoy great freedoms that were secured by the heroic service of our parents, grandparents, or even great-grandparents. This is a symbol of what uh, that great victory that God gave us during that time. Well, in the same way, God, uh, who acted in history to deliver His people Israel, also acted to, in history to deliver us. And the elements we use here in the supper are not the real body, they're not the real blood of Jesus, but are powerful symbols that cause us to remember that Jesus really did suffer and die in a real historical time and place. What Jesus did centuries ago still impacts our life today and our eternity as well. But there's not just a historical significance, there's a redemptive significance. And this is really good for us uh, because I don't know about you, but I'm a sinner. Matter of fact, the Bible says we're all sinners. And so we should remember the supper's redemptive significance. John the Baptist, when he saw Christ approaching, he cried out, it says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And so John clearly established the reason for Christ's coming as the fulfillment of what that Passover Lamb had only foreshadowed. Jesus was the fulfillment of that Passover Lamb in Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus 12, the Lamb was sacrificed for the deliverance of one family. At the cross, the Lamb of God was sacrificed to deliver the whole world from the power and penalty of sin. The Passover lamb served as the substitute for the firstborn of, of, of Israel. But Jesus was our substitute at Calvary. Without the death of the lamb and the spreading of its blood, the children of Israel would have suffered the judgment of God. And without the shedding of the blood of Jesus and his substitutionary de death, we would have no hope of salvation. Chuck Swindoll wrote a book called The Tale of the uh, Tardy Ox Cart. In it, he relates a story of an 18-year-old Kenyan girl who was named Monica. And Monica fell into a pit and broke her leg. And, and there was an older woman named Mama Dejira. And, and I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm looking for my Kenyan friends, and I don't see them in here tonight. They're not. Okay, thank you. But this was an older woman, and she saw what had happened. And so she climbed down in the pit to rescue Monica. Uh, Monica. But in the bottom of that pit was a black mamba, which is one of the most poisonous snakes in all of Africa. And this snake bit both Monica and Mama Najira. 
both ladies were rushed to a medical center. Uh, Monica improved, but tragically, Mama Najira died. A nurse uh, who was a missionary explained to, Mama, uh, to Monica that Mama Najira had been bitten first, and she received all of the, uh, Mama's poison. And when the snake bit Monica, it had no poison left. The nurse went on to explain that Jesus had similarly taken the poison of our sins so that we can live. You see, Monica understood what Christ had done, and she received Him as her Savior when she heard that. You know, people have ideas about who Jesus is, why He came to earth. They, they, Jesus said uh, of Himself, He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost in Luke 19.10. And when we gather around the Lord's table... We do, and the, we see the elements here. The elements speak to us of His sacrifice, of His substitution, and ultimately of our salvation. And we celebrate our redemption in remembrance of Christ. The Lord's Supper presents a powerful message of the gospel. It's a perfect time for uh, to give people tonight an opportunity to respond to the powerful message of the cross. You see, because when we look at the blood that was spilled, the blood that was spilled for you and for me, and we see in Him a body that was broken, what an incredible significance, a redemptive significance for our life. But there's also, we recognize, a personal significance. Look at Luke chapter 22 again with me in our, our, our text we led off with this evening. Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, and he, uh, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. You see, Jesus personalizes his statements by using the pronoun you here. And he says, he, he, he told his disciples that he was going to suffer for them. He was going to die for them. Truly, Jesus would die for everyone, the sins of the whole world. But his disciples heard Jesus say, I'm doing this for you personally. And, and, if, and, and today, he's doing it for you and for me. He did it for, for us in here tonight as well. Yeah, how many of you love junk mail? Love to open your mailbox and there's a hoard of junk mail in there. Seems to have reduced over the last uh, few few weeks at our home. But but it, you get this junk mail and, and, and you can tell it right off. It's that stuff that is addressed to the current resident. Or maybe it has some sort of pre-printed label and your name is spelled wrong. I always loved when people would call to talk to Pastor Cecil Tolbert because they would say, is Cecile there? I said, I'm sorry, I don't know anyone by that name. You know, it's, it's no doubt that, that these were people just fishing for, to sell him something. And so it was relatively easy to say, sorry, I don't know anyone. Or, or if they called him Cecilia, that was even better. I gave him a hard time about that. Listen, when we get junk mail, it's not personal. That, that caller wasn't personal to Pastor Tolbert. They didn't know him as a Cecil. They knew him as Cecile. Listen, when someone writes me a letter and I see that handwritten note address on the front side and I see who it's from and I recognize that name and I, I see who that is, I, I get that and I think, man, somebody took time out of their, their day to write me a letter and I can't wait. That's the first piece of mail I open. The bills can wait, amen? I want that, that good news first because life is uncertain and Jesus may come soon. That's, like, that's why we should have dessert before dinner. Can I get an amen, kids? 
Listen, that's an exciting thing to think about. This is a personal mail. And as we look at the, the cross of Christ, it was personally. He said, listen, I'm doing this. My body is being broken for you, for you personally, for me, for you. You see, Jesus did this for each and every person in the whole wide world. But I want you to think uh, a little more closely tonight that Christ died for you. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul gives instructions concerning the Lord's Supper. And in doing so... He reminds the Corinthian churches of a couple of things. So because, because it is personal, there are things that Christ ties to what we do tonight that must also be personally attended to. First off, he, he deals with their personal salvation in Christ. And that when they participate in this, uh, the Lord's Supper, it carries an inward, uh, an inward time of reflection that we must make sure that our life is examined and prepared before taking the Lord's Supper. Look with me in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 and 28. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. You see, God tells us, and the participants, each of us here tonight, that we're to examine ourselves spiritually before taking the Lord's Supper. As we look at this, we see that God is calling us to examine our lives. Outwardly, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're proclaiming uh, through these elements the Lord's death until He returns. His death, His burial, His resurrection is seen here at the table this evening. In verse 26, He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He come. You see, observing the Lord's Supper uh, carries personal significance for you, for me, because Jesus calls us to remember, remember that He gave His body for you, but it also carries a personal responsibility for us that participate to do so with reverence to do so with humility, to do so with sincerity, understanding and proclaiming Christ's great act of love. Paul said that our observance of the Lord's Supper is to be done to help us remember Christ. Perhaps we're never more the church, never more the bride of Christ than when we gather at the table to worship and by remembering Him. May we never forget May we never forget what He's done for us. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper tonight, I want to remind you that there is a spiritual preparation that must happen. First off, and let me just say, salvation is a must. Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you put your faith in Him alone? If you have children with you tonight and they're not saved, let me encourage you, do not allow them to participate in this tonight. If you're not saved, God is calling to you and saying, Tonight is the, today is the day of salvation. And He invites you to come and put your faith in the one that has given everything for you. That is why Jesus came to this earth, to seek and to save people like me and you. But secondly, we recognize that in our preparation, there must be, uh, we must remove sin from our life. We must remove anything that hinders our walk with the Lord. I love that song, Nothing Between My Soul and the Savior. There's nothing that, I've, uh, that, that is left that is 
uh, creates a bad relationship with me and God. The Bible says in Psalm 66, he said, if I regard iniquity, if I hide in I sin, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he says, the Lord will not hear me. Make sure there's nothing in your heart that would hinder you from serving the Lord. But also, a bad relationship with others in the church will hinder our walk with God. Or maybe a couple, if you're a husband and a wife and you're, uh, you've said ugly things to one another on your way here, my encouragement is, let's get that settled tonight in the pew or at the altar tonight before we participate in the Lord's Supper so that there is a spirit of unity in your home, in the church, in between us and the Lord. And repent of anything that may be between you and your Savior and make sure our relationships are right before we ever partake. Maybe tonight you just want to come just want us to come and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. There's nothing greater than to just pause and to worship the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Paul wrote Timothy and said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all expectation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You can just hear as Paul wrote to this young man and he said, Listen, I'm just so amazed by the fact that God could love me. And maybe tonight you just want to come to the altar and say, Thank you, God, for loving a sinner such as I.